Today we're going to take a look at a passage of Scripture where Jesus returns to Jerusalem. And while he's there, he meets a man who doesn't know who he is, but is in need of healing. And Jesus offers him healing without any sense of requiring faith. But Jesus later will instruct him to do something which certainly our culture and unfortunately many churches do not instruct anyone today to do. Come and hear what Jesus instructs us to do. If you have your Bibles, and you should, turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 5. And that's where we'll be taking the scriptures from this morning. And the verse first says this, After these things, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, it doesn't tell us which feast it is. Uh, the last time that there was a feast, it told us it was at uh, Passover, and Jesus was there. There are seven holy days uh, in the, the Jewish calendar. Uh, three of those holy days, the males, if at all possible, were to go to Jerusalem. They were Passover. And then it was Pentecost, and it was Shavuot or Booth. We're not told which of those it was. Um, some people think it was Shavuot. I kind of think maybe it was Pentecost, but that and $5 will buy you a cup of coffee. Um, but there's also, besides the seven holy days, the Jews also uh, recognized two other uh, religious observance was Purim, uh, which they got during the time of Esther, and Hanukkah, or the lights, which Jesus in the Gospel of John will celebrate as well. And, but he is uh, there as, as a, a Jewish male following the law, so he arrives in Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticles. Now, the Sheep Gate is the entrance on, I believe, the east side of the city where livestock and particularly sheep would enter the city so that they could be sacrificed in the temple. And so this was a, an easy way for them to get to the temple, and it was dedicated primarily for that entrance. And in, at that spot, there was, as it says, a portico. Uh, there was a, this place that had uh, a portico, which is like a roof with, with columns. And so this a large thing. And then there was all this there. And in these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered. Now I want to stop there. And if you'll see on the screen, and if you see in your Bibles, there's a little bracket. And that bracket says that there are not uniformity in understanding of whether the next couple of verses actually should be there. Some of the earlier translations, uh, I mean, some of the earlier manuscripts didn't have it, some others did, and whatever. And so I tend not to preach from that because I'm not smart enough to know whether it's there or not. I do know that there's three possibilities, so I'll give you those possibilities. Possibility number one, John actually wrote it. That's good. And if he did, wonderful. Second possibility is that 
Uh, some of the, well, the, is that when the transcriber of the gospel was writing, he goes, well, if I kind of leave it there, nobody's going to understand what, why what's happening is happening. So he gives an explanation, and that explanation is accurate. It, it's not part of what John wrote, but it's accurate. And the next possibility is it's not a part of what John wrote, and the person thought it ought to be there, and it wasn't accurate. So those are the possibilities. Um, so I'll let you decide uh, for that, but I, I won't um, comment uh, on it. You can read it, uh, why the, the waters start moving the way they do. So we'll jump that verse. It says, and so uh, in verse 5, it says, A man was there who had been ill for 38 years. Now, during this time, it was not usual for people to live past 40, 45 or so. So pretty much most of his life, which was now consumed by this illness. And he'd been laying in this by the pool here. And the reason why and why the writer, if he inserted this or whatever, try to give explanations, the reason that people were hanging out who were ill and, and lame and blind and whatever, is that when the waters of the pool would be stirred up, whoever got there first would get healed. So everybody kind of hung around there waiting for the waters to stir up so that they could become healed. And so this man who couldn't uh, move, so he probably was a paralytic and, and maybe even more than that, uh, couldn't come. And so he says, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? Now, I want you to see something that's unique. Usually people pursue Jesus for healing or from some desperate to raise their child. They seek Jesus's miracles. They seek his healing. They seek his resurrection. This man doesn't seek it. He's just lying there because he's hoping that he can fall into the pool at just the right time to be healed. So his hope is an entirely different situation. And the sick man answered him, and, and I love this, and I'm being sarcastic. Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Now, let me tell you, this was a stupid answer. What the man should have said was, yes. Do you want to get well? Yes. What he was doing was giving an excuse why he had been there so long. Because I haven't been able to get there. Well, I don't have a lot of sympathy for this guy. That's why I'm glad Jesus did. Because I would have thought what he should have done, since he couldn't move, was have somebody put him at the very edge of the pool. And when the water got he'd fall in. He didn't need anybody to move him. Just fall in. But he was probably afraid of drowning. So he was there to get healed, but he was waiting for God to do it the way he expected God to do. And God shows up and asks him a simple question. 
You want to get well. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. Jesus doesn't do any magical things. He doesn't lay hands on. He doesn't. He just says, you want to get well? Get up. Walk. Notice he doesn't even ask the man, do you believe that I can heal you? He doesn't require any faith of this man. He says, just get up and walk. Which shows you that God is sovereign. I don't know how many times I've heard pastors say that your lack of faith prohibits God from doing things. No, it doesn't. My faith is irrelevant to what God does when God wants to do it. He didn't require this man to have faith. As a matter of fact, this man, as we will see, doesn't even know who Jesus is. He says, you want to get well, stand up and start walking, pick up your pallet. And immediately the man became well. There was no time delay. There was no, immediately he began to, became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. Now it was the Sabbath on that day. Now Jesus I think did this for a particular reason. He chose this man for the reasons that God chooses uh, anybody to do whatever God is going to do. But it's on the Sabbath. He does good on the Sabbath. He works on the Sabbath. So the new Jews were saying to the man who was cured, it, it is the Sabbath. And it is not permissible for you to carry your pallet. Now, first off, they're wrong. The law does not prohibit you from carrying your pallet. All of their extra special safeguards to prevent you from violating the scriptures were there. But there were, that was man's law prohibit you from violating God's law. But the law did not prohibit him from doing what Jesus instructed him to do on the Sabbath. But he answered them, he, he who made me well was the one who said to me, pick up your pallet and walk. And again, this is why I'm not too keen on this guy. Because he reminds me of Adam and Eve. I'm carrying the pallet because somebody else told me to. I'm not responsible. Because I was told to do it. And so I did it. Blame him. Not me. Now I'd love the next question. They ask him, who is the man who said to you, pick up your pallet and walk? They didn't say, who is the man who healed you? To me, that would be the important question. Who healed you? No, no. Because they're locked into, it's the Sabbath. You're not supposed to carry your pallet. Somebody told you to carry your pallet. Oh, they're a sinner. Even though it's not a sin because you didn't violate God's law. But they're not interested in the truth. They're interested in making sure that they apprehend and deal with this man who caused someone to carry a pallet. But the man who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had slipped away while there was a crowd in that place. 
You see, Jesus did what Jesus does, but he wasn't trying to get notoriety or fame. He did what he did and slipped away. He could have easily just hung around and said, well, I'll wait for the, the religious leaders to show up and I'll have a conversation with them. But he doesn't because he wants to have an interview with the man again. And afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple. Notice Jesus found him. He didn't look for Jesus. Now, me, I would think if I had been sick for 38 years and somebody healed me, I want to say a whole lot about thank you. What can I do for you? Where are you hanging out? I'd like to hang out some more. I'd like to deal with you because you just healed me after I had been sick for 38 years. But instead of him searching for Jesus, Jesus finds him. And unfortunately, that's most like the rest of us. We don't look for Jesus. He finds us. But then Jesus is going to say something very interesting. Behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. Wait a minute. That's not the Jesus everybody talks about. Jesus told this guy, don't sin. What is Jesus about? He came to save us from our sin. But we treat it as if once he saved us from our sin, we're entitled to keep sinning. Because he saves us from our sin. He is not the great tolerator. He loves us and is trying to deliver us out of sin. Now, Jesus is not saying everything that happens to you bad is because you've sinned. The scriptures teach that bad things happen to bad people and good things happen to bad people. And bad things happen to good people and good things happen to good people. That's why we took a look at Job for a long time. Jesus himself will teach his disciples when they said, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus said, neither but so that the glory and power of God might be revealed, whatever. So Jesus doesn't teach per se that just because something bad happens to you is that God is out to get you. But in this case, apparently the reason the man was in the condition he was in was because he had sinned. And Jesus says, don't sin anymore because it might get worse. So I'm going to give you my parable. And I know I don't like to pick a particular sin because if I do, you'll either think I'm talking about you or I'm talking about me. So that's why I use chocolate and broccoli. And, those, and so I'm going to use a different one. Let's say this young person, and you remember when you were young, for those of you who are ancient, you remember being young. Let's say you get your first job. You get paid every two weeks on Friday. And in your first paycheck, you go and you live it up. You party, you have the greatest meals, you max out your credit cards, and you spend your entire paycheck and Monday morning shows. There's nothing in the refrigerator. There's barely, barely any gas in your car to get to work. You're broke. Credit cards maxed out, spent all your paycheck, and you can't get paid for another two weeks. You're going to be hungry. But then somebody comes along and says, you know, 
and blue. I'm going to put food and drink in your refrigerator. And I'm going to put gas in your car. And I'm going to make sure you're okay for the next two weeks until you get your paycheck. I'll even pay off your credit so that you're not in debt. Now, a non-foolish person would be very thankful and learn from his mistake and do better next time. But that's not what we do. Next time the paycheck comes, we blow it again. And we look for that guy who paid everything off. We acted very foolish. And that's what we do to Jesus. We ask him to save us from our sins. And we seek him to, to remove the shame and the guilt. But then we're content to continue on sinning. Jesus didn't come to save us that we might sin the more. He came to save us that we might be, not be subject to the shame and penalty of sin. And if you think not sinning is boring, then you probably don't belong in heaven. Because there's no sin there either. Jesus came so that we might be dead to sin and alive to him. So he gives us advice that almost you don't hear in the churches. To now you hear in the churches that Jesus is just tolerant. He tolerates this and he tolerates that. And if you, and it doesn't matter what you do, just as long as whatever. Jesus tells this man, don't sin anymore. So that nothing worse happens to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Well, at least he's consistent. He says, now he says it's Jesus who made him well as opposed to it was Jesus who told him to pick up his pallet. But again, I don't have a lot of sympathy. This guy should have just left it alone. He should have, instead of gone to, to, to the Jews to tattletale, he should have been hanging out with Jesus. Because Jesus was the one who healed him. And Jesus was the one who told him, you shouldn't sin anymore. And so what he should have said is, okay, Jesus, how do I do that? Because my natural tendency, like my natural tendency and your natural tendency, is to want to sin. So Jesus, I don't want anything worse happen to me because it was terrible. I almost used a different word. It was terrible for the 38 years that I experienced that. And I don't want to go back that for even a day. So you told you healed me. You told me not to, to sin. And I'm going to take your instruction. So I'm going to hang out with you so I can figure out the 10 basic ways I can avoid sin. So I can write a book and make millions. You, you think that guy would be smart. But he's like us. He just goes off and, and tells the Jews. For this reason, the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. They're not concerned with a man who was suffering for 38 years. They were concerned that that man carried his pallet and that Jesus heals him on the Sabbath. Oh, horrible, terrible. Can you believe such a person would do good on the Sabbath? But Jesus doesn't take it quiet. But he answered them, My father is working until now, and I myself am working. 
Jesus confronts the fact that even the Jews understood that on the Sabbath after God rested, that he didn't stop working because they understood that if he stopped working, the world would fall apart. Because as the scriptures tell us, he even holds the atoms together. So it was, but he was finished with creation. But God in his sovereignty never went. And Jesus is saying, my father didn't stop at creation. He's working even until now. To save people, to heal people, to change people. And I myself am working. He goes, I see what my father does. I do that. My father works on the weekend. I work on the weekend. If it happens to be a Sabbath, wonderful. I work because he's working. And notice he calls God father. And he's not calling him father like you and I say, well, we're children of God. He's saying, no, no, we are father's son. I am equal with him. And we're going to see that they're going to flip out even worse next time. But he goes, I'm equal with God. And if I want to work on the Sabbath, I'll work on the Sabbath. As a matter of fact, there are those who are Jews who work on the Sabbath. Well, who are they? They're the priests. They're the Levites. There's the high priest who goes, even on the high holy days of uh, Passover or Yom Kippur, all those, the priests are ministering in the temple. They are working on Sabbaths and high Sabbaths. So if God's workers, God's people who've dedicated themselves to service the Lord in his temple, then certainly Jesus as the son of God can do the same. So we need to be very careful because sometimes God shows up when we least expect. This man was expecting someday after 38 years to be healed. He wasn't healed the way he was expecting. He was also told not to sin anymore. And it sounds like us. God probably came into your life when you weren't expecting it. And then he said, I love you and I've died for you so that you no longer have to be subject to the pain and the shame and the penalty of death because of sin. I give you eternal life. Follow me. Certainly there are those and when we sin, we sin and we fall short. Lord knows we all do. That's why we don't look at each other and say how righteous I am. But there for the grace of God go the Jews were so religious, they couldn't see God at work. 
we should never be so religious as to not see God at work. To see what he's doing. And to be like Jesus. Now, Jesus had a really big advantage over you and me. Because he was God. It was easy for him to see what God's doing and do that. There's a, there's a song on the radio that says, I don't know what you're doing, but I know what you've done. Sometimes it's hard to figure out what he's doing. Especially when it's messy. You're going, God, I've been praying for these things to happen, and, and it's still messy. And I, but I do know you come and you save me, and I do know your word is pure, and I do know that you're faithful, and I do know that you should love me, and I do know that there's mercy. And so even though I don't understand, I'm going to hang in there because I know who you are. 